one. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and get started. We're going to take a look at the colors of Christmas this year. Today we're going to look at blue, and then next week we'll take a look at green. Then we'll take a look at white Christmas. Kind of a, I'm a dreaming, kind of a, what a dreamer thinks of Christmas. And then the last one will be black Christmas. That'll be an interesting one on Christmas Sunday. Because uh, the idea there is, what if Jesus had never come? What difference would that made in the world? So I think you're going to want to find, uh, this is going to be kind of a good series for us. It's the first time I've ever done the colors of Christmas, so I hope that you'll enjoy it. But you know, there are times where I think that sometimes Christmas can be a real pain, can it? I mean, you know, seriously. I mean, there's always the right presents to buy, and then there's, you know, the traffic down at the mall, and then there's the, uh, then there's the tickets to buy, and then we got to go to a another relative, and then we got to find a taxi, or we got another car, and then we got to put up in that traffic, and wait a minute, Elvis is in the house. That's what I'm talking about, Elvis. It's, it's a blue Christmas, man. Hope you enjoyed that. Yeah, it's a blue Christmas without you. I guess the real issue is, who's the you in that song? Well, the issue here this morning is that uh, we are going to take a look at why we don't have to have a blue Christmas. And I hope that you'll follow with me as we look at many of the prophecies from Isaiah and how they were filled in Christ. This morning I want to start with a, a quote from what, what I consider to be an interesting magazine, the National Mental Health Association said half of Americans in a recent poll said uh, that they or their family members have suffered from depression. 46% considered it a health problem. 43% saw it as a sign of personal or emotional weakness. Sally, Sally Pook of the London Telegraph said 10% of the British people believe they would be better off dead, according to this survey. One in four people said they were unhappy in their jobs, while one in three felt exhausted, unappreciated, or underpaid. Christine Weber, the psychotherapist who carried out the survey, said, Sadly, it comes as no surprise to me that so many people are unhappy at home and work. It seems that people's lives do not live up to their external or extremely high expectations. It is particularly worrying to see so many people dwelling on morbid thoughts, with a large proportion just plainly exhausted by life. I guess you heard the story about the man who came in and had his annual physical, was waiting for the doctor's initial report. After a few minutes, the doctor came in with the charts in his hand, and he said to the guy, he said, there's no reason you can't live a completely normal life, just as long as you don't try to enjoy it. Well, that's kind of where it's at for many people, you know? You can enjoy religion, but they don't believe it because, you know, it'll lead you down a trail that'll leave you even bluer. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 21, it says, My people will be led away as captives, he's saying this about Israel, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and shake their fists at heaven and curse their king and their God. 
Wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. This is troubled times. G.K. Chesterton wrote this about that. He says, joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. But now capture this. Amid all the darkness and all the hopelessness of Israel, he writes in Isaiah 9, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will soon be humbled. In fact, in 733 B.C., the humbler was Tilgath-Pilzer III. The scene in Isaiah is the reign of King Ahaz in Judah. And though he was the son of the great Uzziah, he was the most wicked king ever. He filled Jerusalem with idols, reinstated the worship of Molech, and burned his own son as a sacrifice to that god. Then we pick it up in Isaiah 9 again. It says, But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. We all may be filled at times with sadness. And there may be times where we're thinking that it's going to be a blue Christmas. And it's going to be a time as we look around the as we look around the, the the room, and there's going to be some chairs that perhaps were once filled by a relative or a mom or a dad or an uncle or even a son or a daughter. And Christmas sometimes is not a happy time, and it reminds us. And yet, the whole season is to remind us that joy, unspeakable and full of mercy, is really ours. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, he said, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, let's just take a look at this little fulfillment here. He left Judea and returned to Galilee, but instead of going to Nazareth, he went to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Nephali. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. In the land of Zebulun and and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. He goes on to say, And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. No wonder Helen Keller said, Joy is the holy fire that keeps our purpose warm and our intelligence aglow. Back and forth, Isaiah to the Gospels. Isaiah to the Gospels. Back and forth. We go back to Isaiah 9, uh, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts a shadow. Israel will again be great, And its people will rejoice as people rejoice at harvest time. They will shout with joy like warriors dividing the plunder. This was a deep darkness that was coming over Israel. This was more than a blue Christmas. I mean, this was capital blue Christmas. Now contrast that with John 1, 4 through 5, which says, Life itself was in Him, and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. What a promise. Isaiah 9 goes on to say in verse 4, For God will break the chains that bind His people, and the whip that scourges them, just as He did when He destroyed the enemies of Midian with Gideon's little band. Oh man, rejoicing is going to return here like farmers who come at harvest, like soldiers after a battle. Joy at the conclusion of the work. C.S. Lewis writes, Joy is the business of heaven. Isn't that a great line? I love that. 
Men meet on the street corner. We meet in coffee shops. We meet in restaurants. And men sometimes shake hands with one another and said, What do you do? Wouldn't you like to hear somebody say, hey, Well, my business is joy. I'm in the joy business. Great. Sign me up for a six-pack. I, I want one right now. I could use a little more joy. Joy is the business of heaven. Bishop Ralph Spaulding Cushman said, Oh, the sheer joy of it, living with thee. God of the universe, Lord of the tree, maker of mountains, lover of me. Oh, back to Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. Wherever you go, Jesus brings joy with Him. Wow. William Vanderhoven, a devotional writer, says, Joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Back to Luke 4.18, he says, He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Fulfilling this. Yes, darkness over here in Isaiah. The Gospels come and Jesus comes equipped with joy. Unbelievable, unspeakable, and full of mercy. Back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. In that day of peace battle gear will no longer be issued. There's a day coming where we don't even turn out the uniforms anymore. Never again will uniforms be bloodstained by war. All such equipment will be burned. Well, today there's going to be a ball game down in Denver, and I can guarantee you that there's going to be some blood on some uniforms. <laughs> I can tell you that if we go to war again, there'll be blood on uniforms. People will be killed. Men will be put in harm's way, and even women now will be put in harm's way. But this is the destruction he talks about. In fact, the fall occurs in 612 B.C. in Nineveh. The day of peace comes, and there is multiple fulfillments of this one prophecy, not only in Isaiah, but in Jesus' day and also in the, in the last days. So Haley Smith Bixby writes regarding this passage, Joy is found where Jesus reigns. Maybe that's the issue. Does Jesus reign in your life? Is he just an acquaintance? We talked about Elvis Presley this morning for just a moment. Many have believed that somewhere in the South, as he grew up in the South, that he heard the claims of Jesus Christ. He seemed to know the Gospel. There are clips of him singing the great hymns with the Stadler brothers and the other, some other quartets and things. And, and you think that he, I think he really did know the gospel. The problem is, did he really know, did he really apply it for himself? But there are thousands of Christians who sit in churches who think that going to church makes them a Christian. Friend, you can sit in a garage, that doesn't make you a car. The issue this morning is do you really know him? Does he really reign in your heart? Is he just taking up residence and he's assigned to a back bedroom of your life? Or does he really reign? J. Sidlow Baxter said, In this super miracle of the Incarnation, our very Creator, Preserver, Judge, becomes our kinsman, sin-bearer, Redeemer. Of all miracles and mysteries, this is the most staggering. Back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Look at that word, child. There you see the humanity of Jesus. 
You see, the word son is given. That's divinity. And how does he bring this victory? Through a baby. You're down here in Dillon. You're at the shopping centers. You're at the, the outlet stores. And you see a catch okay, uh, where you see the, the nativity scene. And you look into that little manger. That's the son that was given. And it's going to be uh, up to him. He is the reigner, the restorer. He is the guard. He is the guardian. He is the prince of peace. And he has the political skills to government. But in the mind of God, his kingdom is not the kingdom of this world. God didn't send Jesus so he could run for the President of the United States. <laughs> Romans 11.34 says, For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who knows enough to be his counselor? How crazy it would be. You know, I think it's, it's crazy. I think the way the world thinks is that if Jesus showed up today, they would want him to come into a conference room and try to counsel him and give him good advice as to how to reign. One of my favorite pictures is this. Huge Jesus about the size of the, of the United Nations building. And maybe some of you have seen it. It's Jesus kind of knocking on the United Nations building saying, May I come in? <laughs> I have some advice for you. Where does He reign in your life? The Scripture says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Is that where He reigns for you today? This is a wonderful book. And it says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in here. But what do we say? Oh, it's fine. I like to get, I like to have my daily devotional. I do my daily bread. And then I also check in with other sources. I, I see what Oprah's got to say. I see what Red Book's got to offer. Life magazine. I have to check my horoscope. Really? Really? This says it contains all wisdom and knowledge. Every word in this, in this Bible was written with 26 letters. From A to Z. And what does Jesus say? I am the what? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the A to Z. You never have to go outside me for anything. Everything that you need to know, every principle that's ever been spoken about, is covered by Scripture. If it doesn't literally attend to it, then it gives the principle regarding it. Human counselors are wonderful counselors, but sometimes they have knowledge but lack compassion. Some are full of compassion but are limited in knowledge. But Christ is the omnipotent one, full of mercy and truth. In Isaiah 9, he says, these will be his royal titles. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Look at that, mighty God. That's the word El Gabor in Hebrew. It means invincible champion. Try teaching that concept to a four-year-old like my grandson Sam. He caught that concept from Carol while we were at Target in the superheroes toy aisle. When Carol said, do you know who's bigger than Batman and Iron Man and Thor? Sammy looked up and said, who? Jesus. And Sammy went, oh. And Carol said, no, really, Jesus. No one can be Jesus. And all of a sudden, this little four-year-old, our little grandson, got the picture. He's above everything? Yeah, no one can beat him. 
He can destroy everything. He can lift everything up. He can create everything. He can do everything. Mighty God. Counselor. Amazing. Bring your complicated life to Jesus. He has the divine wisdom. My wife is a therapist, as you know, and she has some tough things, tough cases. We thought we sat one night sitting down, we were having dinner, and I thought, you know, if, if, if Jesus could walk into the counseling chamber and he could say, what's the issue in your life? And with that penetrating gaze as only Jesus could have, as he looks deep into your soul, he would simply recite a paragraph and everything would be back to normal. You wouldn't need 50 sessions with Jesus to figure out your problem. Or like one of my good pastor friends, one of my childhood friends, did a series at his church on what I've learned after 10 years of marital counseling and $40,000. <laughs> it only takes one session with Jesus. Jesus didn't say to the lame man, pick up your bed and limp. He said, pick up your bed and what? Walk. In fact, the guy got up and not only walked, what else did he do? He started leaping and dancing and jumping. No blue Christmas, Christmas for me. No need to lay in the doldrums. Do I experience from time to time sadness? You bet. Do I miss some of my relatives? You bet. Do I miss my brother who died young? You bet. But there's a difference between missing someone and feeling the emotion of that and sitting in that and being captive by it. And never knowing that there is an ultimate joy that sets you free from that. I know, I spent two years there. Complaining, angry, and upset over my brother who died at 53. Single, never married, no children. IQ well over 140, PhD, New Testament theology touted by the German theologians is the next major contributor to the book of Mark. Graduated in Tübingen University in Germany under the world's leading New Testament theologian, Peter Struhlmacher. Somewhere along the line, Alan went from being a moderate drinker to a full-blown alcoholic and drank himself to death at 53 years of age. I didn't know much about that alcoholism at that time. I know a lot more now. I realized he couldn't have wanted any help unless he had asked for it. But for two years after his death, I just beat myself up. I wish I had been there. I wish I had done more. I wish What a waste of a life. He had everything. He was an All-American ball player in college. Elected to our Hall of Fame at our university. Not as good as looking as me, but, you know, he was all right. But he was a wonderful individual. But something in his life got sad. I don't know what ultimately drove him to the depths of despair, but when he died, he was so depressed and so down. Every Christmas was a blue Christmas for Al. And yet we have the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, 
the lily of the valley, the balm of Gilead, the Redeemer, who is our hope and joy and brings joy unspeakable and everlasting. Do you know that Jesus I'm talking about? Is He your Lord today? Is He your Savior? There are 256 names in the Bible for Christ, Billy Sunday said. I suppose this was because He was infinitely beyond all that any one name could ever express. In John 14, 8, we get back to John again. He says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said, Philip, don't you even know who I am? After all this time I've been with you. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Oh, that that would not be the cry of anyone here at Dillon. Do you not know who I am after all these years that I've been with you? Do you not know that there is nothing, there is absolutely zero that I cannot conquer? Do you not know that I am the powerful God? Do you not know that I am the wonderful counselor? And with one word, the demons fall. One word, and kingdoms crumble. One word, and your life is back to normal. Do you not know that, God? No blue Christmas for me. Huh? Will I feel some sadness from time to time when relatives aren't there? Sure. Will I get a little weepy when I see a couple empty chairs and my mom and dad are not there for Christmas? Sure. But those are human emotions and it's replaced by an unspeakable joy. We have a problem sometimes. We get stuck. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun, reflects our, the sun reflects His own glory and everything about Him represents God exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of His command. Oh, man, that's strong. What do you sustain by one word? Husbands, do you come home and just bark a bunch of orders? And everybody salutes and lines up in columns of four at your house? I don't think so. doesn't work that way at my place. What a powerful thing that he sustains the universe by the mighty power of his command. Back to Isaiah 9. These will be his royal towers. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Let me take a look at that last one, Prince of Peace. Peace, it's the word shalom. Controller of the people's well-being and prosperity. When you say shalom, you say quite a bit more than just peace. I have an orthodox Jewish neighbor. He was over in my house. We actually were outside doing a little yard work. And I said, Joe, uh, tell me a little bit of what you mean when you say shalom to another Jewish brother. Man, did I get a lesson. He said, when you say shalom to another Jewish brother, it means that you're wishing for him the greatest fulfillment of all of life, for his well-being, for his financial prosperity, for his physical health. You're wishing him an abundant life. I said, Joe, did you say an abundant life? He said, yes. He said, wait a minute. I know where you're going. I said, where am I going, Joe? He said, Jesus said... This is an Orthodox Jew. He, didn't Jesus, didn't your Jesus say, he calls it my Jesus, didn't your Jesus say, I've come to give you life and to give it you abundantly? He said, yeah, he did, Joe. That's why he said he's the Prince of Peace. 
Oh, Joe, Joe didn't fall on the ground. Fall to his knees and say, oh God, I repent. No, he didn't do that. But there was a connect point for me and Joe. No wonder we took the time in the series and the Beatitudes to say, blessed, makarios, fulfilled is the man and the woman who... Luke 2.14 Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to who all to whom God favors. That's what the angels said at his birth. Addison Leach, back to the Bible hour, said, Our trouble is that we want peace without the prince. <laughs> you know who said that exact quote last night on television on the Bill O'Reilly hour? Ben Stein quoted this guy. We want peace without the prince. I don't think Ben's a Christian, but he gets it. <laughs> Do you? No blue Christmas for me. Joy unspeakable and full of mercy. John fourteen twenty seven says, I'm leaving you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Yeah, was that just words? No, it's not. Because in Isaiah 9, in verse 7, we go back to Isaiah, it says, His never-expanding peaceful government will never end. I like that. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. All right, I can get excited about that. That's strong. His kingdom does not end. In fact, the cross doesn't contradict it. It proves it because he rose again. Back to Luke 1. This very one will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob for all time, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Can you say amen in your heart? Isaiah, back to Isaiah 9. How do we know it's going to come true? Because Isaiah 9 says, the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. Man, this goes beyond the men's warehouse guarantee. Guys, you're going to be looking good. Ladies, you're going to be looking good. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty guarantees this. No blue Christmas for me. Will I feel some emotions of sadness from time to time? You bet. Will I miss certain people? You bet. I can't even describe what, when I hear that little song called, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. And we think of all the military personnel serving across the seas. And we get a little choke in our throat and little tears come out of our eyes. But that doesn't dominate our life. Those are human emotions. What dominates our life, what's at the core of our life, is that the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty said, joy is the business of heaven. Joy is the business of heaven. Sign me up. This decisive action, only three times in the entire Bible. The other two references are Isaiah 37 and 2 Kings 19. I've had a good year here at Dillon. Some people have come to this church, been pretty blue when they showed up, pretty sad. 
We collected 339 Christmas boxes to send around the world just to let kids have a little joy and tell them that Christ is alive. The food bank has given away 3,500 pounds of food this year to people whose stomachs were hungry and who were pretty blue. We've helped 3,766 individuals in the Summit County this year. Our benevolence offering has been 47,000 to date. 335 families have benefited from it. What's the point? To try to take a temporary circumstance and take somebody who was blue and try to make them happy? No. It's certainly that we want that to be met on a social dimension. But the real case is that we're trying to give a cup of cold water. We're trying to do something to let them know the king is alive. And with him comes joy, unspeakable, and full of mercy. Amen and amen. We're going to go into a time of communion now. And as you come to the different stations, may I ask you, as you take this particular communion off today, that maybe what governs your hearts and minds is that you come and take the bread, you take the cup, and you say, God, once again, remind me of joy unspeakable and full of mercy. Let's pray. And then you come as you feel led. Come in families, come in husbands and wives. Take time up here at the altar to pray, whatever you like, whatever you think. Let it kind of be natural and let it happen. Let's pray, and then you come. Lord Jesus, thank you again for today. Thank you that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Thank you that when you came that Christmas so many years ago, that the idea there was not because that you had to have something in your mind or something that would benefit us in an unusual or an un, un, uncanny way. But you came simply into a manger. You came and you, you brought with you the hope of heaven and salvation in you. And now this season we turn our attention to the fact that even though we as humans can express sadness and grief and sorrow at times, it is not the emotion that dominates our life. It is not the emotion that captures and holds us a prisoner as it would be. But it is your joy and the hope and the fact of your passionate commitment to us that your kingdom does not end. And to that we celebrate. We celebrate the cross that didn't do it away, but that guaranteed it for a lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. You come now as the band plays.